breaking news concerning the U.S. economy. Official figures show that more than one in the United States is the Hey, Whitewater friends and family, hope you're doing well and hanging in there. Um, out of curiosity, what um, what shows have you been binging? Uh, it's been a perfect season for binging shows, hasn't it? Uh, just comment on the on the link below and let us know. Um, today we're doing something really special. Um, this is uh, a day where we're answering your questions and we're actually asking uh, the experts, the professionals. Right? We got some counselors on with us and we're going to be spending time asking them questions about spiritual, mental, emotional wellness and health. So let's jump into it. My name is Kate Konzelman, and I am the founder and counselor at Well Counseling. I'm Jay Diller, and I private practice Teleos Counseling in uh, Lake Taps. And I'm Patrick Geraci, and the name of my practice is Trinity Counseling in Bellingham. TrinityCounselor.com is how you can find me on the website. I think Jesus talks a lot about vulnerability, and we're not, we're not, for some reason, we're very resistant in our human nature to vulnerability. So this anger, this anxiety, it's like we're afraid to talk about the fact that we're afraid. Hmm. Um, sometimes you just need a listener who's willing to, to sit and listen to what you're, these things you're feeling. But I also encourage clients to and they hate this, but <laughs> to write it out. And there is power in writing it out versus like, don't type it, write it, handwrite it. There's a release in that. And ultimately mm. what you're doing, and I practice this in my relationship with Jesus, is um, I'm, I'm confessing that I'm feeling these things. And it doesn't mean that they're sins, it's just that if they're kept up inside me, I'm saying I'm still in control of this and I'm still trying to manage this versus, okay, here it is. I'm afraid of this thing. I'm afraid COVID-19 won't ever end. I'm afraid the kids won't go back to school in the fall. I'm afraid my dad's going to get it. I'm afraid. And I'm just, basically, this is meditation. This is prayer. This is me bringing this before the Lord. And as I release those things, there is freedom in that because mm -hmm. it's casting our burden upon the Lord. And I think take the time to tell a, tell a friend, a trusted friend or family member or spouse, like have that moment of connection with them. Or if you're not in that situation, then write it out. Grab a pen and paper and and sit with Jesus and, and lay it out before him. He's there to carry that. He's stronger than we are. And he himself is not afraid. One of the things I love about scripture is that you have real people crying out with real problems, and you see that all over the Psalms. You see that in Jeremiah's writings. Uh, just like uh, Lamentations chapter 3, you've got Jeremiah talking about how he feels like he's the target for God's arrows, and, and his uh, prayers are walled in, and he's broken his teeth in the gravel, and he goes on and on and on, and you see this in so many of David's writings. And, and then he starts to see... God's hand, even in the midst of the suffering, 
Uh, oh yeah, I remember, great is your faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. It is great to wait on the salvation of the Lord. And it also is very clear, a lot of Christians think that anger is a sin. Um, Ephesians 4 makes it clear that it's not. When Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. So being able to understand and be aware of our anger and our anxiety to try to be as clear as we possibly can, put it down on paper, or be clear with our counselor or our friend, and then beginning to try to see God's perspective. Twenty twenty has been tough, and I think we we talk about it, we joke about it a little bit, but the reality is there has been so much thrown our direction that we've had to receive and work through. And ultimately, what I see across the board in kids and in families is fear. There's just so much fear, and some of us fight fear, some of us freeze, and some of us flee, right? And these are common um, responses to fear that we have. And it's easy for us if we have different responses to the fear to judge the way that other people are responding. But ultimately, we want to respond to people's um, fear in kindness. And I, I think with kids and families, I'm seeing a lot of youth struggling with being disconnected from their social network. And we think social media keeps us connected, but it's a falsified connection. And so kids are struggling with anxiety, with depression, with suicidal ideation. And I would just encourage parents to have conversations with your youth and your kids. Ask them how they're doing. Don't be afraid of asking those questions and check in with your kids to see how they're doing because um, there's a lot they're navigating too. And Jay and I were talking beforehand, I think you made a great point just that as parents, you are also processing these kid, these things, and kids look to their parents for security. So they need to be brought into that conversation with you. Don't, don't keep them out of that because they're going through the same world you are. Parents are leading an organization called their family, and if, if they don't acknowledge, first of all, that they're fear-based or that they need God's help to get their own act together yeah. or reach to a friend for that, they aren't going to be very available to their children. They're certainly not going to be leading. Many times the teenager is going to feel like they have to lead the parent. Uh, and so when we acknowledge that, we can then begin to get the strength, as you talked about, to be, be the parent. So, That's good. Yeah. Well, addiction is basically founded around how I medicate my pain. There's a lot of pain because there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of unknown. Unknown is probably the most stressful thing we humans have to deal with. And so there's a lot of that around. Jesus, and he'll bring you friends into your life. He'll bring resources. His word will bring consolation to your heart rather than reaching into that which would medicate and take away the pain because it's always temporary. And it always gets worse. So I have to keep taking more, doing more of that behavior. You know, workaholism is, you know, since we're talking to the Christian community, is another form of the same thing. It's just a different form of Jack Daniels. I heard, because you brought up workaholism, I heard a quote that said, we should stop calling it working from home <laughs> and uh, start calling it living at work because there's no disconnection right now for a lot of us between our work and our home. And so that tension has become 
even more difficult. And I think you bring up a great point that again, any anything we're doing to um, to fill that pain, mm-hmm. and we go to instead of of Christ or instead of those healthy habits is a form of addiction. And I think right now that's really easy to go to work for because it's it's yeah. already in our home. Yeah, that's a good point. You might be able to help somebody to stop drinking, but then they'll find something else. Or you might be able to find help somebody stop smoking, but they'll find something else to float their boat. So, so it once again gets back to the grace of God. Or you could tell somebody all day long not to live in ongoing feelings of guilt and shame, but we've all done things we shouldn't have done or didn't do things we should have done. We are all guilty, and we know that deep down. And so unless you can help them to understand the forgiveness that's afforded to us by the death and resurrection of Christ, you can't touch the guilt and the shame. And as we were talking about earlier, it's to the degree in which we believe the truth about God's grace and forgiveness in our own life. That's how we can demonstrate grace and forgiveness, extend that to other people, and let go of our resentment and our bitterness. There's a fine line between encouraging and supporting and loving somebody and enabling irresponsible behavior. So if we have somebody that is struggling, that we know is struggling, uh, we need to be very careful about um, adding to that struggle by uh, protecting them from the consequences. Uh, Proverbs says, I believe it's in 17, could be in 19, that if you save a man from his anger, you will have to continually do that. And so, so being able to recognize the difference between enabling irresponsible behavior and being loving, encouraging, and supportive is uh, very important. And we see great examples of that uh, in the scripture. I, I would come back to what I said earlier. is when I feel like I'm working harder on your problem than you are, mm-hmm. there's, there's something really unhealthy about this because it's not my problem. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. He simplified it really <laughs> No, Jay. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, mic drop. <laughs> the church talks a lot about, um, you know, selflessness, humility, and serving your, loving those around you. And so it feels in contradiction to self-care. So if you're hearing these words that you need to take care of yourself, you need to integrate self-care into your life, and you feel resistance as a believer, one, I can relate to that, and two, I just want to reframe that, and I want to encourage rest. And I think Jesus talks about the Sabbath um, as a part of his model for what he would declare as care for us. And ultimately what rest is acknowledging is that I trust God enough to take a break and that he is still in control. And when I don't rest and when I don't break away from these things for a day or for a time, I'm ultimately saying I don't trust that God can control these things without me. And I do think that this year has brought in a massive amount of information and controversy and conflict. And it is important that you are having Sabbath. And it is important that you are able to break away, whether it's from social media or from 
whatever it is for a day or a time and have that Sabbath with the Lord and say, I trust that God is in control even if I'm not engaged. In fact, in spite of me being engaged. You push back on the darkness. Just keep pushing back. Just keep praying against the darkness. And the darkness is a result of the fall. We live in a creation that is decaying. We have bodies that are decaying. And so we continually, continually pray for the fullness of his kingdom and his will be done here as it is uh, in heaven. So, so we continually push back. So, so regardless of what our limitations are, regardless of what the limitations of our friends or family are, we continue to pray for healing. Even in outside of the Christian circle, which we know we talk about thankfulness and gratitude a lot, in the psychology network, they talk about gratitude and thankfulness being one of the number one um, things that fights anxiety, which I always love when I hear in the community because I just think, I know where that came from. <laughs> I know a guy. Um, but ultimately, that that is practicing gratitude is one of the things that does curb our anxiety more than anything else. And again, going back to the pen and paper, I'm an advocate. But, you know, if you if you practice gratitude, even if it's listing four or five things every morning that you are grateful for, it takes our eyes off of ourselves and onto the Lord and the things that He is doing in our lives. And that will pull us out of out of our anxiety. Yeah, and in case in point, I'm married to do a lot of marriage counseling and say, okay, so we've had a lot of time to focus on what isn't good about this marriage. Today I want to focus on what what are the strengths of your marriage? Mm-hmm. You, you know, it's been how many years? So what what are the strengths that you have? And, and it's it's really the gratitude. It's like, oh wow, yeah, I'd lost sight of that. Mm-hmm. Good question. Um, first of all, I have to have some sense of what it is I need help with. It's uh, trinitycounselor.com. <laughs> People don't relate to everybody. You know, I think it's finding if both of us find that this is probably not the best match, I'm more than willing to help you find what that match is, or at least give you some other referrals. Comfortability is not always the best. Sometimes uncomfortable is, it's going to take me beyond where I am. Am I willing to take that scripture to put in other places in scripture where I bring other people into it? I pull myself out of isolation. If I'm doing it all by myself, I don't expect a lot to happen, but God's brought into it and God's people brought into it and, and safe people. Do they gossip about it? Do they belittle us? Do they just say, ah, you know, everybody has that problem, don't worry about it? Or, or are they actually helpful? Are they actually recovering themselves and being honest about what's, they're not perfect. There's a sense of, we pull each other into this. 
I think about the verse that Paul talks about begging for the thorn to be removed from his flesh and that he's begged God over and over and over again for this to be removed. The Lord says, you know, my grace is sufficient for you. And part of what Paul pulls from that is that this is meant to keep him dependent on God. And, and I don't know who's asking this question or what context this is coming from, but I think the fact that you want to change is is so important and key and that God knows our hearts and that God responds to our hearts. And it's important that if that is your desire, that you keep moving in that direction. Like Jay said, are you surrounded by the right people? Um, are you getting help in those areas? Maybe you are meeting with someone and getting help. If you're not, I would encourage you to. Someone who's who has a specialty in what change you are looking for. Um, and and keep moving towards keep moving towards that change and remember that ultimately it is God's grace that is sufficient for you. Um, we will never arrive at complete wholeness until we are reunited with Christ. And so I think all of us do have these things that feel like I want to change in this area, um, and yet we have to keep battling through that. Um, but being staying in the fight, being in that battle is important. And um, and maybe if you look over your shoulder, you have made more changes than you think you have. And let me just say one other thing about that is that none of us are meant to do this alone. That's why God gave us the church. And we often, uh, I know nobody is sitting in church these days, but but we often sit with folks who we otherwise would not get to know, would not spend time with, uh, they, they would not be in our circle, and they may even be annoying. But we end up growing as we learn how to forgive and demonstrate grace to those folks that may naturally be annoying, and we learn how to grow as we ask forgiveness uh, in those times when we rub people the wrong way or step on people's toes. So we are all meant to do this together. That's why God gave us the church. God is close to the brokenhearted. He's near to those that are hurting. And because, and I'm so glad we're having this because I think there has been for so long a stigma against mental health within the church. Mm. And I still have people come to me that say, you know, I don't even want to tell you this, but sometimes I wonder if, you know, if God is embarrassed by me or ashamed mm. by me because of my anxiety or because of my depression, that I'm not, I don't have enough faith. Um, and I just love to be that person that tells them, no, you know, God, God draws the broken to himself. He does not push them away. And we, when the, he just wants us to be honest and transparent with him about what we are going through. It's not a secret to him anyways. Um, so we really only hurt ourselves by, by trying to hide these things from the Lord because He already knows them and He already sees them and He already accepts and loves you in spite of them. That's, you know, that's my heart for counseling and that's my heart for, for people is just, life is tough. And sometimes we just, we, we need other people to come alongside us and speak some truth. Man, I'm so grateful to learn from leaders uh, like that. And I'm just, I'm really grateful for everyone who's been contributing to this whole series 
with their vulnerability, their authenticity, to talk about a subject that has a lot of stigma around it. And so I just want to thank you. Thank you for participating. Uh, and those of you who have shared this with friends to help uh, people move forward on their journey toward wholeness and peace, you guys, it's just been tremendous. And just want to remind you, we have a listening team that you can set an appointment with. Just click the link below. Um, and they'll just be a listening ear for you. They won't solve your problems. They're just going to be there to listen, pray for you if you want, and help you uh, take a step toward health. Um, there's also a PDF, if you click the link below, um, that uh, will really help you process on your own or with somebody um, spiritual and mental well-being. So I want to encourage you to use that. And I want, I want to let you know that we're going to be transitioning into a new phase of this sermon series, and we're going to be focusing on relational wholeness and peace. And so you're not going to want to miss this. It's going to be excellent. Um, and if you have friends or family members who could really use some uh, help or some encouragement in those areas, um, encourage them to tune in. Let's worship together.